0: Welcome to the unhinged history podcast the podcast where before hitting record we have sat and debated how to pronounce the word crayon crayon is it one syllable is it two do we care about the y and the o probably not i mean <laughs> these are things thanks english In case you're wondering, this is not a podcast on linguistics. This is a podcast (laughs) on history. Each week, Angie and I sit around on our own merry lonesome and peruse different memes, trying to figure out which historical figure excites us the most. Doesn't have to be figures. It could be the creation of crayons. It could be how homesteaders have used them as candles by lighting them on fire. I don't know if that's really a thing. I've never tried it.
1: I understand, actually, that you can. And they'll burn for, like, a a significant amount of time.
0: But I have not done it. So Why
1: not? Science.
0: I'm too busy eating them, apparently, because I can't (laughs) pronounce the entire (laughs) word.
1: What flavor is your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) It's not the white ones. The white
0: ones are pointless in every regard.
1: Except for airheads, in which case they taste like white cherry. Let's be honest.
0: Okay, okay. I've I I never really thought about it. I just ate them. Oh,
1: okay, okay.
0: You do you, man. I mean, it was just exciting, and you just eat. <laughs>
1: i like it i can appreciate that
0: that's like people saying you know this movie it just didn't fill me up on a psychological effect because like i just sat there and really wondered how so and so actually think about that and why would the children be and i'm just like i sat down on the couch i turned my brain off and i I came to be entertained and boy was i Everyone's like, yeah, but I mean, really, that kind of camel wasn't introduced to the region for another 250 years. I just wish somebody would have thought
1: about it. I I need to know what movie you've been watching recently. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious because I was listening to a podcast yesterday about camels.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like this, this is a great lead into your story now. Here I was being a smartass.
1: Absolutely not. My story has nothing to do with camels. (laughs) (laughs) Then what the hell were you doing? I was... Well, so sometimes for work, I run um, a handful of errands for the ladies in the office. And while I was driving, I was listening to a podcast because I can't well work on our podcast and drive at the same time. So I listen to other people's podcasts. (laughs) I mean, this checks. What are you going to do? I'm here. I'm so excited about my story. Like, okay. I just have to tell you that um, there I may I may never fangirl harder over another person. Damn. I know. I might be wrecked by this one. <laughs> that's well, all you have oh, to say.
0: I mean, no, that's not all you've got to say. Now you actually have to tell your story. You can't just be like,
1: oh, okay, now bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Um, Devin, I mean, do you want do you want me to go first?
0: I feel like we just transitioned very nicely into that, and then we stalled by saying, the, I "Oh, mean, do now you want giant, to?
1: then, I, okay, yeah, okay, sorry, okay." You know what? <clears throat> Take two. Oh my god. Okay, so my guy, I'm I've never I've never fangirl harder over an individual, and I don't think I ever will. You, want you me to say me that? Me I'm
0: story. literally going to hear you say that next week.
1: No, uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, we might run into more people that I'm just like, yeah, that's a bad, that's, that's a, you know, that's a BA kind of individual. But this guy, like, my poor husband has heard nothing from my mouth except for new facts about this individual. <laughs>
0: Not, hey, honey, how's your day? Nothing. Like, honey, we're having lasagna for dinner. Um, By the way, we're out of milk. It's all been, I mean, but my guy. And I hope I mean, you can okay. read between the lines and
1: realize that we're out of gas. <laughs> we need milk. We <laughs> we did he did walk through the store yesterday on the phone with me. Okay, how about this? Do we need this? And I'm like, okay, but my guy, like so I mean, we did have that conversation, but if I have initiated a conversation at all in this in this last week, it's it's been about this this individual. Uh upstanding convictions and uh he was not going to go quietly into the night about it okay um are you ready yes okay so i'm gonna give you my sources first uh article on constitutioncenter.org a very brief stint on Britannica.com and I gotta say Britannica.com really did me dirty on this one. It was a very boring article. They could have had a lot of fun with. That's okay. They're just here for the It facts, is the
0: Britannica.com. We are not here to entertain, we are here to educate.
1: In fact, uh in fact. Um a local.gov resource page, uh, and <clears throat> ranker.com has a weird history section and uh, they had a great article in, in there about this individual that fully like all the 1200 other sources i had the ranker article like condensed them all into one delightful timeline for me and i was so excited about it
0: so far one of these things is not like <laughs> the other
1: you are right um and then there are a couple other that i'll mention throughout because they're quoted okay in the, in my story so I am doing... Are you ready? I, do I have I to say it again? again? I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In the right corner, the Lion of Whitehall, the Firebrand of Freedom, the Pride of Richmond, and one unhinged old guy, Cassius Marcellus Clay. Oh. Even before? A little bit. Are. Okay. Well, the other corner's got slavery and mediocrity and bad ideas all over it. But that's cool. That's fine. Because Cassius is going to save the day one way or other. <laughs> Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm ready again. Don't. I'm not expecting you to. He was born October 19th, 1810 at Whitehall in Richmond, Kentucky, which is. Wait,
0: Cassius Clay was born in 1810?
1: Yep. Not that Cassius
0: Clay. Okay. Now I am with you. Okay. However, there is a note
1: to that in a little bit.
0: All right. I just wanted to let you know I was obviously paying attention. Good job. (laughs) For my next trick. (laughs)
1: <laughs> for my next trick, we will time travel. <laughs> October 19th, 1810, Whitehall in Richmond, Kentucky, which is in the northern um, Madison County, Kentucky area, but it is a slave-holding state. Cassius is born to Sally Lewis and her husband, General Green, a cousin of Senator Henry Clay. So- Sources say that General Green Clay was one of the wealthiest slaveholders in the entire country like if not the wealthiest like he was rolling in the high cotton if you will and he was a brilliant businessman the way that he used like he owned distilleries and he owned ferries and he used all of his business ventures to cooperate with his other business ventures so his money just kept making money, good good for Mister Green. Clay's youth was spent among the sprawling acres of his father's estate. Um, while his father was a slaveholder, it does appear that the region that they lived in, um, their workers were treated considerably better than they were further south, and they were more um, valued in this area. So he was um, a slaveholder, but not the worst. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's. There's some anecdotal stories that say Clay though Clay had six brothers and sisters he possibly also had playmates among the slave children because there's a story that kind of influenced his younger life where in um one of his friends who worked on the plantation accidentally killed the slave master the um I always forget the job title but the one that like the guy with the whip yeah i I I
0: don't i really don't know and i i'm kind of grateful that i don't
1: yeah me too um she but she killed him in self-defense and she was actually acquitted by a jury of 12 white men they were like yeah no that was she's good to go however her having been involved in this trial and just having accidentally killed the foreman i guess foreman would be probably the name the family couldn't keep her because it kind of puts a bad reputation on the whole thing. So she was sent down south, which is like in some in some people's minds far worse than having been put to death. Because...
0: Literally being sent down the river.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That is the exact line. Like we're being she's being sent down the river. And that that supposedly had a really big impact on Cassius's um understanding of the world at the time, even as a young person. But while he was attending Yale in 1832, Clay heard a speech by the abolitionist, I'm going to jack this word up so many
0: Abolitionist.
1: Abolitionist. I can't say it right the first time ever. That's
0: why I'm here. I'm just, I'm I'm just your, (laughs) your verbal walker.
1: Yes. William Lloyd Garrison and um, this speech really inspired him. And this is the pivotal moment in cassius clay's life where he decides that it's this way or no way he is going to fight for the freedom of everyone and do whatever he has to do so he would spend the rest of his life doing that and in the years leading up to the civil war he was an outspoken anti-slavery leader in kentucky which is still at this time a slave holding state right um when he inherited the slaves from the state of his father he set them all three all free that would set him back $40,000. Today's money would be between $1.3 and $1.5 million. That's a, it's an investment. Yeah. Um, he did keep some of them on as paid laborers, though, because he obviously still needed a workforce to run his estate. Right. And um, it should be noted that many of the former slaves actually chose to stay and work for him. So
0: I I, I mean, if you gave me my freedom and then said you'd give me a job, that is an easy road to take.
1: Right. And it seems like he, they knew he was on their side, like from the get. Um, <clears throat> at this point is when he starts like very much touring and speaking and trying to just set a fire under everybody that we need to remove slavery. It's like slavery needs to end. This is no way to treat a human and he was talking to everybody and anybody and pissing everybody off left and right (laughs) like this guy had no chill whatsoever and he wanted to make sure nobody else did either at one of his speeches an audience member asked if he would help a runaway and his response was quote well that would depend on which way he was running (laughs) and i freaking love that um in fact, the Library of Congress, their website has one of his speeches. You can go and read it. Um I do would you like to hear a bit of one I do have? A little bit That's of
0: what it. I'm here for. I literally like log in, hit record, like <laughs> I'm here to not only hear it myself, but make sure others can as well.
1: <laughs> okay. So this is just a blurb. This speech is actually 23 or 26 pages long, but this is a blurb from page 1. The foundation of our republic was not, the founders of our republic were not ignorant of this fact, and in the enacting clause of the Constitution they declared one of its great objects to be established justice. Tatological was it in them to include liberty among their purposes, for without justice there is no liberty, and what is liberty but justice, which perceiving the true relations of all things obeys them. This guy very much has, like, as I I read the bulk of this speech, and it reminded me of that scene. I know it's totally irreverent and totally a different line, but it reminded me of that scene in Monty Python where he's, like, handing out a a watery tart, handing out swords from a lake is no way to govern the people. (laughs) Like, the exact same energy as that. And I just loved it um in 1833 he falls in love with mary jane warfield and um by this point he is already he has been in so many tussles and so many duels that he has never lost ever like see i would just
0: assume that means you haven't been in enough because you have one, and you win, and you're like, I've been in so many, I've never lost. It's like, sir, it was one. Was he single? You got lucky. The other dude tripped.
1: Yeah, no, in his case, he is actually known for for his dueling. Like, they, they expect if you see him in town that he's going to take somebody off, and somebody's going to challenge him to a duel, and he's going to win, or he's going to challenge somebody to a duel.
0: He's the Julie Dobney?
1: Yes. <laughs> Only... Even more of a firecracker. I, I don't
0: know. I mean, she was a chick who could back it up and duel three dudes at a time. Take them all.
1: Yep. Wait till you hear the rest of this guy's story. Okay. Him, all right. Him and Julie Dobney would be BFFs for sure. Okay. Um, When he falls in love with Mary Jane Warfield, she has already had other suitors and um, her dad is not so keen on her marrying a... Abolitionist because they are also slaveholders right but mary's like um but i love him daddy and her other suitor essentially kind of writes this open letter and calls cassius out on his bad behavior um saying that he has deflowered other girls which cassius it says he hasn't um and they go back and forth for some time at which point Finally, the dad's like, okay, I guess you're going to marry him. There's nothing I can do to stop you. So the suitor the challenges Cassius to a duel on their wedding day. Cassius is kind of busy, um, so he doesn't arrive at the duel because if you're going to get married, you kind of have to show up to the wedding ceremony. The bride know?
0: typically appreciates that
1: and he kind of liked her so he's like this guy i've been i've been trying to deal with this guy for weeks i'm not going to miss my wedding over this this inconvenience if you will so when he doesn't show up the former suitor loses his crap and calls him a coward and has further mean things to say but that's okay because cassie's going to take a ride over to his place a few days later formally challenges him to a duel the next morning and waits and waits and waits. And waits a little bit more. The following day, he finds out that the former suitor actually went up to his hotel room and committed suicide because he didn't want to fight the duel, knowing he was going to lose. Which, at this point, I feel like if you were going to do that, just fight the duel and lose. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: a or way, man. Or not go through all of the braggadocious behavior the day before.
1: It, right. Like, it's so silly to me. Why, Like, why do that? I've, I feel like maybe he didn't think that because he didn't show up on the wedding day that he was never going to show up. But like he should have known better at this point. This man has never missed a duel appointment before.
0: And he probably scheduled the day of the wedding hoping that he wouldn't show up and then hoping that would be the end of it.
1: Well, exactly. But Cassius is, like I said, no chill. So <laughs> he only didn't show up because it was his wedding day. And quite frankly, I think he probably would have shown up if it was like a morning duel. <laughs> but he had things to do. Right. So, you know, um he also founds a newspaper called the True American that was very abolitionist. Um the building <laughs> there's a great article on americanheritage.com that says, "Quote, founding an anti-slavery paper, the True American in Lex- Lexington, Kentucky, he prepared for trouble. He lined the street door with sheet iron, installed two brass cannons loaded with musket balls and old nails at the top of the stairway." kept a stand of rifles and muskets handy and put two barrels of black powder in the corner of his editorial office. The staff was instructed that if a mob ever stormed the place and, against the probabilities, managed to reach the second floor, all hands were to flee via an escape hatch in the roof, Clay himself would stay behind to drop a match in the powder and blow the place to fragments. The fact that it never became necessary to do all this made of no, made no difference. The setup simply expressed the way Clay met his life's challenges.
0: <laughs> I've never worked at a place that was programmed to self destruct.
1: Truly, really a thing of beauty, right? It makes but, me
0: rethink my my resume.
1: I know, really. I was like, wow. I guess i I, I don't have a powder. A, you know, a pile of gunpowder in the corner, but...
0: Yeah, there's there's no shrapnel bomb that my employer says he'll let off if we're ever stormed.
1: In fact, I know, I just devastating. What are we doing with our lives?
0: <laughs> I'm going to go rethink a ton of things and start drinking. I gotta go. Right. <laughs> I gotta go I clearly, I'm not living up to my potential.
1: Absolutely. Um But believe it or not, by 1835, he would win a seat as a Kentucky legislator, and he held on to it for five years.
0: It's no small speech in Kentucky when you are known for being who you are.
1: Yeah. Um he like I said, he held on to it for five years until his anti-slavery views and outspokenness about him got him voted out. Um at this point he is also a founding member of the Republican Party, but would actually change parties several times throughout his life, but in the end he would die a Republican. Um and here's where I love him so much. In 1843, he's giving a speech, and at this point, his political enemies and his um, slaveholding enemies have had it to the roof with this guy, and they are desperately trying to silence him one way or the other, both politically and in just the market, right? Like, this guy's got to go. However, they can't challenge him openly because they know they'll lose they know what he's capable of they know what they've seen him do it they're like okay what are we gonna do so they hire a hitman from the only place in the country that has a hitman that might be crazy enough to actually confront cassie's clay his name is sam brown and he is from new orleans so Cassius Clay goes up, he gives his speech, and in his hand at this speech is a burlap sack, and he pulls out of the burlap sack, and he says, he sets the burlap sack down on the table, and he pulls out a Bible, and he says, for those of you that ascribe to the laws of God, this is why slavery is not good, and he he puts the Bible on the table. Then, from the burlap sack, he pulls out a constitution, and says, for those of you that ascribe to the laws of man. This is why slavery is bad. Puts the Constitution on the table. And because that's not enough to make a statement, he then pulls out his pistols and says, for those of you that apply to neither, and puts his dueling pistols on the table. At this point, Sam Brown loses his ever-loving mind and fires some shots from the audience. Hits him square in the chest. Doesn't hurt him at all
0: this is going to be a bull moose kind of
1: he wears his bowie knife in a metal sheath on in the center of his chest Sam Brown didn't know this the bowie knife just shoots the bullet right off at this point he is quite done with this excuse me sir you've interrupted my speech and shot at me so he takes said bowie knife and attacks Sam Brown back Mr. Brown will lose an ear, his nose, and have his eye gouged out by this Bowie knife.
0: I would watch more political speeches if this <laughs> were a common theme.
1: Right. Um, he also, he's, some of some of Mr. Brown's friends have have attended this speech as well. And at this point, they're like, "Crap, we have to separate him. He's going to kill him." The only
0: way I feel like it, that is justified at this point.
1: Don't you think? Um, So they somehow remove Sam's body from the event and toss it over a wall, at which point Clay goes on about his merry way. He's got a couple of injuries, got a couple scraps, so he's taking care of himself. Brown survives to sue him. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. Let Let me back up a second.
0: Bra takes two to the chest instead of grabbing the guns that are immediately in front of him. He reaches into his shirt to grab a knife and then chooses the the more, I'm going to say more lethal because in truth, a, a knife is more lethal than a gun because you a gun, you have the chance of missing, right? Like you have the right. chance of grazing. If you take that and ram it into somebody's gut, turn it sideways, it's game over.
1: So I feel like... From from what I read on him, he did not do anything without Nash, if you will. Okay. I feel like he took that as a personal affront and he, guns are not going to solve his problem right now. He, he
0: wants to see the life leave.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. So he, that bowie knife is with him his whole life. Like it is his weapon of, of choice in hand-to-hand combat, if you will. Um, I mean, it's not hand-to-hand
0: combat if you're using guns but you
1: well know. you know what I mean in yeah. in a tussle if you if you will um Brown Susan and enter Henry Clay his cousin the best defense attorney in the country he cousin, would need that
0: he would need that right. cu- that cousin's going to be his best friend
1: right cousin Henry Clay says a few words to the judge that are basically like um this is just how we behave in Kentucky and to be fair Fair sam shot him first but mom to which the judge was like that is true he did try to kill him first and only charges clay with making mayhem which i think is Jeff's kiss okay first off i have been accused of making mayhem <laughs> i have admitted
0: to making mayhem but i have never been charged
1: ergo <laughs> apparently you can be Because he was. There would be other attempts on his life as far as, like, um, assassination attempts. And he thwarted every single one of them. Uh, Typically with a bowie knife. He had no problem uh, carving his way out of a tussle.
0: Got you like a fish, boy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. There is, on the Ranker.com article, this is what they have to say about Clay's fighting. Quote, a colleague of Clay once said of him, he would fight the wind did it blow from the south side when he wanted it to blow from the north. (laughs)
0: Dang.
1: (laughs) While Clay was no stranger to a chaotic brawl or a drunken tussle, his conflicts of choice was befitted a man of his era, the duel. He would issue challenges over just about any subject under the sun, from political matters to personal insults to an argument over kentucky bluegrass while many of these challenges were likely simply bravado and dismissed as such more than a few were answered and more than a few were fought clay had such a reputation as a duelist that it was said he had slain more men in duels than any other man in america while this is of course impossible to verify the mere existence of the rumor speaks to both the sheer number of his duels and the skill he had at surviving them
0: That is a hard-ass personality,
1: right? Could you imagine um, being
0: his child? It's like, no, <laughs> you don't need to go talk to the principal. I swear, <laughs> to you, it was my fault. I did it. It was, it was me. Like, I, I, you know what? I, I deserved it.
1: I had it coming, Dad. Right? It's like, fine. look, I failed the spelling test, and then <laughs> threw an equal in Timmy's face. Sorry, I said sorry, and I bought Timmy new inkwell. I broke it on his face,
0: just because like because I'm, I'm, I'm
1: drunk. your child. exactly um being a man of his era he also had that belief that like dying on the battlefield was the only way to go out it's valhalla
0: yeah valhalla or bust
1: right so he uh shows up to do a stint at the mexican in the mexican american war in 1846 um him him and his men are immediately captured and sent to a pow camp um a handful of his subordinates try to escape, but they are captured again, and they are sentenced to death at this POW camp. Cassius goes to the commander and says something to the effect of they're just men assigned to this war. This battle is not theirs. They just want to go home. If you have to kill someone, kill me and the other officers, but let the soldiers go home then opens his shirt and gives them free rein to fire. The commanding Mexican officer is so taken by this that he, he releases everybody and sends them home. Cassius returns a war hero. <laughs> that is
0: some Jamie Fraser of Outlander move <laughs> right there. Right
1: um, On the eve, like on the cusp of the Civil War... He leads a group of 300 volunteers to guard the White House with him at his helm. Some believe that it's because he had eyes on the White House, um, which he did. I think it had to do with both having eyes on the White House, but also he just wanted to fight something. Mm. (laughs) So why not guard the most precious house in all of America, right?
0: There's going to be a fight, boys. It's going to be here
1: that's exactly right um president lincoln by this point is watching cassius and he is like oh holy beans this guy i really like him but also he is very outspoken he is very anti-slavery and um he is a bit of a political powder keg like and I
0: I've, I've told him about decaf and he just <laughs> won't drink it i offered him tea it's I said, just... I know cocaine is the little bit of panacea for everything, but maybe maybe we should just back off of it a little a bit. A
1: little bit. A little bit. Maybe we should meditate. Um. So Lincoln appoints him as the ambassador to Russia because why not?
0: <laughs> hey, I've got a great post for you. These people also love fighting, but it's on the other side of the country where it'll take me a while to get the telegram.
1: I honestly, when I, I the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. But the more I read about him, the more I'm like, Lincoln sent him as far away as he possibly could.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure by the time I hear you started a fight, it's already too, too long We're for done. me to have done anything. I can't, you know I can't what? Fix it. I can't, I can't help. You're out of my, it's already out happened. Of, out of my jurisdiction. <laughs> um,
1: not my so, monkeys, not my circus. Pretty much. The civil war, the entirety of the civil war would be fought with clay in Russia, but it was Clay's skilled political work that kept Russian support for the North, even going so far as to have the Russian Navy deployed to both the New York Harbor and the San Francisco Harbor as a grand show of support. I had no idea that Russia was
0: an ally of ours in the civil war.
1: Oh, it gets better. Because Russia did this, that kept both Britain and France from supporting the South, because neither Britain nor France is going to piss Russia off. Holy cow. Right.
0: Like, I'm mentally at the whiteboard drawing all kinds of shapes and connecting lines did at you have this like point. The,
1: the, the string lines? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, you,
0: I yeah. constructed all of that in that three-second period.
1: Yeah. Um. So, his... His political savvy and his way, his relationship with the Russians was um, pretty awesome. And because of that, it's partially why the North won the war.
0: Look, you Um, like to drink and fight. I like to drink and fight. My buddies back home like to drink and fight. (laughs) We're friends. Yeah, we're all friends. We're all besties. Or we're mortal enemies. So best friends it is.
1: Okay, let's take it. The enemy of the enemy is my enemy, huh? (laughs) Um so also shortly after the war it's clay's liaison between russia and the u.s that would allow us the purchase of alaska
0: i feel like now i need to know more about that because i feel like it was now one in a poker tournament
1: Uh, honestly we we say purchased but
0: what what we mean is like look it was a full house i really thought i had him with my three of a kind but hot damn (laughs)
1: That Kentuckian man had all aces. <laughs> um, honestly, yeah. I I know there was like treaties and, and exchange of monies and things like that that went into the purchase of Alaska. But I, too, see it as a, as a round of poker because um, that's just how... Look, nobody back operated. home is going to
0: be okay with this being a poker game. So we need to come up with a mutually beneficial lie. Here's our cover.
1: Pretty much, and that's what we're sticking to, and that's what we've stuck with ever since. Right. <laughs> um, after his ambassadorship ended, Clay returns home, and he still fights the good fight for freedom. He supported the Cuban independence movement against Spain, and he helped form the Cuban Charitable Aid Society. He also <laughs> um, founded I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but Bria College, which is a small university that's actually on Clay, the the clay property and it accepts students of all genders and races and always has the classes at the time were segregated but the school's existence was super unusual in the south to begin with um and it has a promise that it would be tuition free education under clay stewardship brea college reached out to particularly poor students particularly poor white students throughout the south but anybody could attend um While it is, of course, no longer segregated, the school has remained consistent in one respect. It still charges nothing for tuition. Which I think is awesome. And it still has the same motto that that Clay gave it. God has made of one blood all peoples of the earth. So, by this point, Clay is an older gentleman, and he's kind of bored. He's not involved in politics anymore. Um, At least not to the extent that he was when he was younger. Uh, He's still pissing people off left and right. But for the most part, he's hanging out at his home. And decides that, you know, I'm bored. I've got nothing to do. Dukes have hazarded. I'm just going to screw with the local sheriff left and right. So he does. Like, all the time. Him and the sheriff are always going back and forth. But one particular incident stands out. When he was in his 80s, he takes a bride because meaning
0: he is. he gets married not he goes to the tavern and just goes yo Lucy
1: it've been me. something like that actually um the young lady that he marries is at most 16 years old probably 15 and some change and she is from an incredibly poor family um, pretty much orphaned, has really nobody, and he just takes a shining to her and decides he's he's gonna marry her. And a local journalist hears about it, and it's kind of a bit of an uproar because he's in his eighties and she's barely sixteen.
0: And she's like, "Look, I've done my math. Like, the life expectancy is thirty-five. Like, any day now." <laughs>
1: right, that's what I'm thinking. Um. So they have a very simple wedding ceremony. The journal—you can actually read the whole story. The journalist writes a really lovely um, article about his his day with Cassius Clay and his new bride. Um, When she, when the (laughs) everybody in Cassius's remaining family tries to dissuade this wedding, going so far as to basically like prohibit the local clergy from from officiating it so cassius goes out and gets a priest from like the next town over in the middle of the night because you can't stop this guy right um and so attending the wedding is like the priest the journalist cassius his wife and one of his adult children and the wife is they, they have the wedding ceremony. The wife excuses herself to go change for the rest of the afternoon. And the journalist asks Cassius if he's allowed to take a photo of the wife. And Cassius refuses. Because she has no one to do her up or care for her hair and makeup. So he doesn't want her picture out in the world because he thinks that she would not appreciate being seen that way because no one can care for her hair. Oh. which I think is super sweet. And he also seems to have spent the next couple of years doting on her and kind of giving her whatever she wanted, including a divorce when she decided she wanted to go back to people her own age.
0: <laughs> like, look, it's been nice. Thanks for the jewels and everything. But um, you, you smell like old people.
1: In the middle of this, the local sheriff sends a posse out to talk to Cassius like, Hey, you have basically imprisoned this 16 year old girl. She needs she needs to be let go. And Cassius is at the front door and he says, "Um, I have neither imprisoned her and I've never lost a woman before. If she wishes to leave, she can leave. She's at the window. You can speak with her herself." And somehow or another, a tussle breaks out, but it's cool because Cassius is going to defend both his home and his wife with his guard cannons. I expect
0: nothing less from him. Of course he's got guard cannons,
1: right? So there's a little tussle. Some guys get hurt. There are a little bit of shrapnels involved. He's got a few splinters, blah, blah, blah. The, the sheriff goes back to the local judge and he's like, look, if you want me to arrest this guy, I'll arrest him. But you're going to have to send me with an entire battalion of the militia because he's got cannons. And I don't know if you know who he is, but he is not afraid to use them.
0: (laughs) If he opens up the barn, I'm not going to be surprised if war elephants pop out.
1: Honestly, me either. He's been to Russia. We don't know what he's got back there. He probably has armed polar bears. I want armed polar bears. Me too. They don't even need to be armed. I just want them to have armor.
0: Hell yes. Right? Three keepers died putting this armor on the bears, and we can't take it <laughs> off of them now.
1: So there's that. Um, oh, and the polar bears only speak Russian, so also there's that. Previous. Um, so he lives another 10 years after this incident. Americanheritage.com has this great quote about his death, and I really think it super speaks to him. He was born... In 1810, and he lived until 1903, surprising everyone, including himself, by dying peacefully in his bed at 93 (laughs) years old. (laughs) And if that's not the most baller way to go out, I don't know what is. That is amazing. Right? The 1976 book on Cassius called The Firebrand of Freedom by H. Edward Richardson has a wonderful statement about his life. Cassius Marcellus Clay was a paradox in history. Born to wealth, he was an upholder of the oppressed. Clearly, he was a man of intellect, and yet it was the passion of his words and actions that seared each central event of his life into the memories of his contemporaries. Though one of the great men of his age, he stood apart from all. Isolated and eccentric in his old age, he died to become an ageless legend, forever green in human memory. Wow. Allow me to tell you his legacy. From whitehalleku.edu, which is the um, website that manages his actual, like, you can go to Whitehall House, you can still see the plantation, it's stunning. Um, they have this to say, Cassius Clay's daughters were incredibly active in the women's suffrage movement, including Laura Clay, who went on to become the first woman ever nominated for president by the United States by a political party. And then, constitutioncenter.org adds this to his legacy. Clay's legacy still lives on at his estate, Whitehall, which can be found in Richmond, Kentucky. Also, his name has been passed down for generations. One of his former slaves, Herman Heaton Clay, named his son Cassius Clay in honor of the abolitionists. Then Cassius Clay named his son Cassius Clay Jr., who would ultimately become the heavyweight champion of the world before changing his name to Muhammad Ali. Oh, I've got such an open mouth. (laughs) So, um, that's my hero. I need a set of dueling pistols.
0: And I'm sorry, what? What was the last bit?
1: I need a set of dueling pistols. I'm just saying.
0: I thought you said, and I need to sit on a stool. And I was like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I need a set of dueling pistols. Can you imagine? The audacity of this man, right?
0: Damn. He's got more audacity than a mediocre white man. And that takes some, some gusto. You got it.
1: I have, uh, I don't have, I did not save the picture, but I, there is a picture of like a photograph of him. Yeah. He looks like Robert Redford could have played him in a movie.
0: Not a teacher in high school who said she was on a ski lift. She, she's like, look, I, I don't know pop culture or anybody or anything. She goes, I'm on a ski lift was sitting with somebody. I don't know who he is. And as we're going up the top of the mountain, the guy goes. You really have no idea who I am. Should I? I've been (laughs) in a couple films. Okay, sure. What's your name? Robert Redford.
1: How do you not know who Robert Redford is?
0: You know, it's just hilarious because this woman, like, was one of those like larger than life individuals she wrote a couple episodes for seinfeld she ended up raising her siblings and doing comedy all throughout college just to pay the bills
1: i'm like and she didn't know wow okay
0: i mean but to be fair like if you see somebody out of their element like how many times have you like seen somebody you know you know this person but you see them out of context
1: and then you have no idea who they are my problem is that i work with people who wear uniforms and when I see them outside of work, not they've in their changed uniform. skins. Yeah. One of them is one of my very favorite co workers. I have known him for years. And every time we run into each other, like at Walmart, we just look at each other. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Oh, and I forgot to mention at the beginning of my story, Um, this story comes to compliments of my husband's co-worker who also shared the Bat Bomb story. This guy is
0: just the source of all, like a, a font <laughs>
1: of information. He is, and he said he loved the Bat Bomb story and was like, okay, but has she heard about Cassius Clay? <laughs> because I think she would love him.
0: Nice. That's right. Nice. <laughs> so there.
1: There's, that. There's are
0: you, my guy. You ready to hear my story?
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear how you uh, make the story of Cassius Clay come out of Sanskrit.
0: Um, I won't. I definitely won't. <laughs> so the other day, Angie and I were texting each other back and forth, and I said, "I have found my story. She's remarkable, and I'm just the only problem I'm having is that all of the original sources are not in English, and <laughs> so the few sources that are in English are regurgitations of each other." Okay, And then you said, well, gosh, mine is absolutely incredible. I was like, well, we, we're doing the same person. It's just, you know, I'm coming at it from having to go with the Sanskrit version. <laughs> so that is what we're on. Uh, my sources, uh, two podcasts that started this off, a uh, podcast called You Should Write a Song About That, about Anandabai Josie, another podcast, uh, Human Angle, Anandabai Josie, And then there's an article in scientificwomen.net, Anandi Josie. The logical Indian, inspiring. Here's a story about how Ananda Baiasi became or Josie became the became India's first female doctor by Tashafi Nazir. And that one actually had like a bulk of a lot of the information that like wasn't necessarily found elsewhere, which was good. It was good tonight, you know, to have that. Um, originally named Yamuna, Josie was born March 31st, 1865, and was brought up in a Marathi Brahmin family.
1: I heard you so wrong. I just need you to know. I got it. I worked it out. You worked it out. Okay. I did.
0: So at the time (laughs) she's born and in the, in the area and the region and all of that, when we look through all those factors, she's born during a time where women are not even allowed to read.
1: That would be devastating.
0: Yamuna's dad recognizes how hungry for knowledge that his daughter is, though. And so okay. he sets her up with a tutor who is also a postal worker.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Goparal is the man who tutors her. He's about 20 years older than her. He ends up, um, after getting established with her education, he ends up moving. He ends up being relocated to a different area that needs a, a postal worker. Yamuna's super bummed. Because her teacher's leaving. And finding him in the first place is a fluke.
1: Okay. How old is she at this point? Nine. Nine, okay. I was picturing, like, nine, ten years old.
0: Yeah, so she's super bummed about all of this. But her dad figures out a solution. He's going to marry the nine-year-old Yamuna to Gopal.
1: Ugh. I don't like this solution.
0: It's not a solution that I think you and I are meant to like. But... It ends up like, this is going to be one of the few times where I, I'm i not opposed to this at every, every, every stage. And really, it's only okay. because of how it ends. Okay. Okay? So after they get married, he renames her Anandabai, which means the joy of my heart. Oh. Okay. So despite the fact that he's a 29-year-old dude married to a 9-year-old, he does seem to have some feelings for her. And this this is a recurring theme.
1: He at least cares for her.
0: Yeah, right? Um, he continues teaching her. And it was common for Brahmins in those times to be proficient in Sanskrit. However, because of his learning, Goparal regards learning English as more pragmatic than learning Sanskrit. Okay. And so he continues her education and teaches her English. Okay, and between the time that Anandi is twelve or fourteen, you know that we don't fully know because again, this is the eighteen hundreds. She has a little boy. Cool. Oh, okay. And oh, when the baby's ten days old, it dies.
1: Oh, devastating.
0: And Anandi is just beside herself because she's fully convinced that if she had access to basic medical care, that this would not have happened. Um, so she sets her mind on getting a medical degree to ensure that no other women has to suffer like she
1: did. Ugh, my heart.
0: Now remember, this is during a time that women are not allowed to read. And so she starts trying to attend classes at hospitals in India where, you know, the men were super supportive. They they did things like scream insults at her, spit at her, you know, throw rocks. Very uplifting, mm, very, very loving things. Yeah. Um, but her husband, Gopal, continues to encourage her to study medicine. And so much so that in 1980, he writes a letter to 1980? Royal- 1980? 1880. Thank you. Okay. In 1880- 1880...
1: like, what are we doing? <laughs> I know this is just
0: like you saying, Cassius Clay. And I'm like, Muhammad Ali, 1810. I was like, no, what? no, he's not a vampire. Uh, you don't know.
1: <laughs> Do I and for the a story on that? <laughs> yeah,
0: AI is going to write that screen pray. Um, so he writes a letter in 1880 to Royal Wilder, who is a well-known American missionary. And he states Anandabai's interest. And he says, um, you know, we'd love to get her to study in the U S um, while I'm, while I'm asking for the moon, do you think there's a suitable post in the U S for me? And as all of this is happening, you need to remember they're both Hindus and Hindus were not allowed to cross the ocean as one of the the tenets of their religion
1: oh i didn't know that
0: i i feel like that part has changed i would think so right so all of this is happening and he is just like willing to do all of these things to support his wife good the christian missionary never replies but instead publishes their reply in the christian missionary magazine and they said basically they would never help unless Anandi converts to Christianity. No, of course. So as all this is going on,
1: because this is also a time when being a doctor in a woman in America is not, yeah, not also
0: not not really a thing. Um, so, you know, we're going to to quote my my favorite piece of brain candy, uh, Ancient Aliens, <laughs> and we're going to go to the other side of the world. So, okay. meanwhile, in Rochelle, New Jersey, a young widow named Theodesia Carpenter is in her dentist's office. And as she's waiting to be seen, she picks up a copy of the Christian Missionary Magazine and she reads the letter that Gopal wrote and then the response. And she Bad gets on kind them of
1: to do that.
0: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty tacky. Um, So she's reading this hot tea and she's like, Well, that's not the Jesus I know and follow. So she writes the magazine and says, I I would like Anandi's address. Nice. They become pen pals. And Carpenter and Anandi develop such a close bond that they refer to each other in their letters as aunt and niece. Mm. So that is just completely touching. And the husband and wife duo at this point, they're in Calcutta and Anandi's health starts deteriorating. She's suffering from constant headaches, weakness, and occasional fever, and she's struggling with breathlessness. So this is kind of strange. Um, Theodisia ends up sending her medicines from America, but none of them show much of an effect. But in 1883, so they've been writing for several years now, um, Goparal is transferred to Singapore. And then he decides to send his wife by herself to the U.S. for medical studies, despite her poor health condition. And even though he's concerned about her health and her moving, he tells her that she needs to set an example for the other women by pursuing higher education. Get it. Oh. So do you see what I mean where I'm like, you know, I really didn't like the fact that you took a nine year old as a wife. But I'm, I'm supportive of this.
1: Yeah, While I am not, I hate that. Um, I can appreciate that he obviously valued her yeah, regardless of her age, right? Like- right.
0: And I think that's the fear. You take a nine-year-old, you assume that he's just going to be a predator. And he just seems to be very supportive every chance that he can be.
1: Yeah. Good on him.
0: So as all this conversation is happening, Anandi is emboldened by her support. And she marches into the college town hall because of course they're in a college town and
1: in, in America or no, in this is, is in India. Okay. And, okay.
0: and so she's the first woman to do this. And she gives a speech and this is just unheard nice. of. And she, she have dueling pistols. No. I mean, well, okay. it doesn't say in the article, so it's unclear.
1: <laughs> just checking.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would have been brought up, but as she's doing all this, she says, look, I've wanted to do this. This has been a dream of mine forever. and, The missionary said they would help me if I turned Christian, but I don't want to leave my religion. I want to do this and stay Hindu. And the whole town starts pulling together its resources. Nice. Which is just unheard of, right? The director general, the post office, he sets up a fund for her. The governor, the lieutenant governor, their chief justice, tons of townsfolk. They all raise all of this money.
1: India is under British control, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So they're doing all of this and they pull enough money for a single ticket to america okay so this is a very hamilton don't forget from which you came boy kind of move (laughs) although they they just sent him to america to shut him up (laughs) like look we've thrown rocks at you we've called you horrific names and you just keep talking (laughs) we're just gonna you know what siberia is too close so we're gonna send you to america (laughs) There's overlap. there's overlap. It works.
1: It, it checks, yeah.
0: So at this point, Anandi, she's in poor health, but she still makes the trip. Okay. So now it's June, 1883. She's 19. She gets on a ship and she leaves her husband behind and becomes the first Hindu woman to set foot in the U.S.
1: Oh, okay. Get it, Mama.
0: And she meets the Adesia for the first time. Okay. And there's several sources that say that despite all of this and all of this excitement she's suffering from the cold climate and this strange new diet
1: oh yeah okay i didn't even think of that yeah okay
0: yeah so she's still sicker to dog and new england's chile we, we <laughs> so, a wee bit so a
1: little bit a little bit colder than india
0: perhaps perhaps um in march of, of
1: india you know but i didn't
0: necessarily look up like i have my mental image of india but i didn't look up some of poor and like see like the you know the climate yeah so i'm making a lot of assumptions um march of 1886 anandi graduates with her md yes she wrote a thesis that was obstetrics among aryan hindus and her thesis is utilized from references of both american medical textbooks and a you texts okay her husband's in the crowd to watch her graduate
1: oh good on him he made it
0: so it's just like okay again i'm a fan of this dude i didn't think i would be at the very beginning i was a little shaky but he pulled it around
1: yeah he really did
0: next line is even more incredible than the last Queen Victoria reportedly ends up reading a copy of Anandi's thesis and sends her congratulations. Ah, oh,
1: the queen herself.
0: Because again, she is a royal subject.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: So at this point, Anandi is super sick with what they believe is tuberculosis. She turns down an internship at New England Hospital for Women and Children and instead, takes a job at the Edward Albert Hospital in Kuala Lumpur, India, where she would be the head physician in charge of the female ward and lead the program to teach women to become general practitioners.
1: Get it, Mama? You know what? I would. I as much as I think I love New England, I would. Good for her. Her people need it.
0: Her people need it, and she's going to go to teach women, which again is what mm-hmm. she wanted to do, so that no other woman would suffer as she did. When she arrives home, she receives her. an actual parade. Yes. So we went from throwing rocks at her
1: to throwing confetti. Full on parade. <laughs> oh, there was probably, it's not confetti, it's like flower petals. It could be flower could petals, be you
0: know, it could be that colored chalk dust in the air that we see for some of their celebrations that I don't know much about. And I feel like a complete dork for saying I think just those
1: now. are. I think those are religious. Sarah. Yeah,
0: you're right. Yeah. I Okay. I, I said that out loud. I was like, I stuff. should do more research about that before <laughs> I say something completely awful. It's like, we throw holy water in the air for our parades. It's like, we actually don't, but, you know.
1: All right. Do you know my favorite thing to come out of COVID is watching priests do baptisms with scorpions? <laughs> <laughs> Total side from that, but it makes me so happy to think about it every time the mm-hmm. thought pops in my mind. I'm like...
0: Because you know the priest was like, I mean we could. Hear me out now. <laughs> you Squirt may not dance. like this. It'll work. But I prayed over it.
1: It's holy. In the name also- of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Squirt. I was just gonna say the Father, the Son, the Holy Squirt, and the Super Soker. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite parts of all of Covid was that. hmm The panini brought us a couple of really cool things.
0: Not much. (laughs) Took took more than it gave. (laughs) We got DoorDash.
1: Yeah.
0: So we're thinking about the parade. I got to bring us down to a sober note here.
1: Hmm.
0: Anandi Josie died early the next year on February 26th, 1887, before turning 22
1: mama gets her degree and goes home and she's going to teach women and then dies?
0: Yeah. I her death is mourned us. throughout India. Her yeah. ashes were sent back to Theodisia Carpenter, who placed them in her family cemetery in Poughkeepsie, New York.
1: Okay. I love that. But you think
0: about it, like, she revolutionized how her entire community and, I mean, nation, viewed women and yeah, women's accomplishments.
1: Yes, yeah, she did. Did do we know like anything that happened to the hu- with the husband afterwards?
0: I did not look that up. Um I'm
1: wondering if there would even be anything though. Yeah,
0: apparently. I didn't necessarily find it very easily, but I I didn't search it. I know that there was a movie made about her and her oh. husband is in the movie poster heavily featured um it's not streaming it's uh i don't know if it's even in english because all of the posters are not um uh, however just knowing that that exists is incredibly exciting
1: it should yeah it should because she, and like I, I, it, yeah she not only revolutionized for her own country she she did a lot for a lot
0: yeah and i'm going to share a picture of her that i i found um the image that you're going to see, obviously there's one of her standing alone and then there's one of her with three women uh, or two other women. Um, so we see her here. Okay. But I, I want to know more about this image just because so that you see the first image of uh, Anandi standing in, I think it's a sari.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. And so she does look very regal, very dolled up. And then you see a second photo of her seated Next to a woman who is just bedecked in all kinds of. Go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. It's just it's that photo is so interesting when you look at their because their costume is regional to yeah people. Like it looks like there's a more about it.
0: Looks like there's a Japanese woman in a kimono standing in between, and then there's another woman. I don't I don't even know what nationality that is. I would say Indian of some sort but clearly I, a very I'm wondering different I'm like
1: um Middle Eastern Indian, like uh Turkish somewhere like that. You know
0: maybe. Yeah. Huh. So I I don't know where where it hails from the story behind it. But I just I know, know that know. you know when you look up images of her there's there's not a lot. I mean 1800 so you know pickings right. are scarce.
1: <laughs> and it's a woman in 1800 so there's Right. Not
0: so there's that. How much? But That's that is the story of the first to, Indian doctor. Um, or Indian female.
1: I doctor. love her. I love her. Anandi. Anandi. Anandi, and she wasn't even 25 years old.
0: No, no. But, you know, the Queen okay. of England didn't give me a congratulations when I graduated.
1: Did you send her a notice? No. Well, if you'd have sent her a notice, you would have got a congratulations. She'd have been, who? <laughs> I got a letter from uh, Mr. Bush when we got married. I have, I have a card from him.
0: Like President Bush or just no, President Billy? Bush.
1: President Bush sends, sent me a congratulations card.
0: Because you sent him your wedding invite or
1: what? Uh huh. Interesting. <laughs> I also tried to send one to the Queen, but um forgot about international postage.
0: <laughs> you had one job.
1: I totally did. And it was a job I gave myself. You knew the importance of this job. And I still forgot to put the right amount of postage on there. I
0: just would have had a sheet of stamps.
1: <laughs> just...
0: This has been thirty seven dollars. <laughs>
1: I will send a 20-year announcement to William and Kate. Who? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that is, that was my story. And I was just like, it was really difficult because I'd be like, oh, my gosh, this podcast, there's a podcast about her. seven minutes long.
1: Yep. Oh, there's I... another
0: one, eight minutes. Oh, joy. You're... And three
1: of those eight minutes is adverts.
0: And the theme song. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this one's like an an hour and 10 minutes long. I'm going to listen to it. And it's all in a foreign language. Cool. Like I understood the intro and then I can pick out her name. And that's literally all I've got going for me.
1: You would think there would be so much more information about her given what she is. But not in English.
0: Well, you know, this is kind of like, you know, uh, Willa Morandius, right? Like. Yeah. The original source material is in a foreign language, so this is what you get.
1: I mean, I'm just saying because colonialism and all that, we really love to translate things. You would think that there would be more. <laughs> we like to translate the things we want to
0: read. And I'm going to assume the biography of a impoverished Brahmin Woody woman Docker. in 1800s. Was just not as compelling as, say, ancient texts that could lead to treasure that we could cart away to the museum. That checks. Yeah. Like, When in Doubt Capitalism.
1: That also checks. That's going to be the title of this. When in Doubt Capitalism.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. So that was, that was exciting for me. And it was neat to kind of learn more about her beyond the meme that i found on pinterest but i was just like you know i do want to learn more about her because she does seem like a real pioneer but then i was just like she died 22 or not even 22
1: that is sad right yeah i just heard the largest crashing sound come from my living room i'm so curious to know what it was
0: because somebody's in trouble somebody's, somebody's in, trouble. in trouble
1: um ian sent me this picture i don't think i'm gonna be able. if it's very clear but they're cleaning the living room it
0: looks like a squirrel has been murdered in the middle of your floor
1: yeah that's the dog hair that was under the couch
0: you should probably clean more than once a decade
1: you know what's funny is that's just like maybe three weeks we vacuum and clean the floors non-stop. But, Just no, cover the dog in weeks.
0: Velcro and and throw some treats under there.
1: It's He won't go under the couch, but the cat will. Where are you, Jack? He's probably asleep in my sink.
0: Cats love sinks. Water and yeah. cats are best friends.
1: In fact... <laughs> And if you don't believe me, try it at home. Try it it yourself. Find you a cat. Throw it in the bathtub. Many blessings. (laughs) Baptizing cats. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be the title today. (laughs) Baptizing cats? Yeah.
0: You know, there was an e-card that just said telling a woman to calm down is just as effective as baptizing cats.
1: I mean, it's true. It's
0: true. Both better done with a squirt gun.
1: And from far away. Yeah. With chocolate in hand, so you can chuck that too. (laughs) Afterward. You're beautiful. Here's
0: chocolate. Oh my gosh. I recently threw a Reese's peanut butter cup at kiddo, but she wasn't paying attention to me. And I planned on it landing right on her chest as she was looking down at her tablet. It hit her in the forehead and she (laughs) cried.
1: Oh, you big meanie.
0: (laughs) And I was just like, I tried to do something neat. Not fair! Why are
1: you crying? <laughs> I I was a good mother. Dude, yesterday, okay, Owen, I don't know if you've ever had them, but they're called fudge rounds. No,
0: but this sounds like everything I'm. I should be a part of.
1: They, they're delicious. Um, they're. I think they're made by Betty Crocker. I don't know, but Owen is freaking addicted to them. Okay, so we buy them whenever we see them because often this, they're sold out. So, if we see, like, two or three boxes, we will buy all three boxes. And sometimes we find them in the mini version. So, like, a regular version's like this, the mini version's like this. Okay. And for whatever reason, it's always me that finds the mini version and not the full-size version. Just the way the cookie crumbles fall. So, yesterday, Ian goes to the store and he comes home with a box of the full-size version. Okay, mind you, the former box... That was in the fr- in the cupboard of the full side version. I found at the grocery store. Uh,
0: a quick Google search says they're not Betty Crocker. They are in fact Little Debbie. Could, oh, okay, could yeah. you be... yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. sorry, the, a little, a little Debbie. Yeah, that that All makes right. more sense. Uh, they're they've got the. Can you see the image? It's um. The yeah they're they're kind of cookie little things. Yeah. Okay.
0: okay. <laughs> so those they do them. not look gluten free. I will not be trying these.
1: They are probably not. But, yeah they, um,
0: they they look like an immediate bad time.
1: I will see if I can make you some gluten free ones because we also have the recipe for gluten filled ones.
0: Glutonious.
1: Because we like to make the we like to make the snacks we find at home. But anyway, so Owen's like so excited to see this box, right? And he's like, "Oh, mom, dad got me a full size box of fudge rounds." And then he looks up at dad and goes, "Mom only ever gets me the small ones." Jerk face. I buy you the fudge rounds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess I can't do anything right. And then I was like, oh man, I just called him a jerk face.
0: (laughs) He earned it. We are men of action. Lies do not become us. He smiled.
1: (laughs) I I love that I can see you Googling.
0: (laughs) Gluten-free little Debbie fudge rounds. I found the recipe for the copycat.
1: Well, there you
0: go. Do fudge rounds have gluten? I don't even need to click the down arrow on that. I'm pretty sure the answer is pure gluten.
1: I think it's all gluten. That's all it is.
0: They figured out a way to make chocolate taste like, or gluten taste like chocolate,
1: and they made that with that. And that. And threw some sugar in there. As a binder. (laughs) for funsies. I know. Jerks. Oh my goodness. I am seriously struggling with what I'm going to tell you about next week. Because I mean you did playing. hit me
0: with a with a wall up there. Because I was just like, okay, we're talking about the boxer. Holy dang, we ain't. Holy we're dang, about we the are. Duelist. And then we're gonna talk about the boxer. <laughs> so there was that. Yeah. So if you're curious on what Angie and I are possibly gonna cook up for you next week, tune in. Same bad <laughs> channel, same bad time. Ha <laughs> ha And on that note, goodbye.